0: Hey Steve, what can we help you with?
1: Um, I recently got engaged, and uh, we, and my friends and I are talking about you know uh, babies, and, and and we plan to have two. Okay. Uh, so, but we, we're not too sure. I mean, obviously, we never had a baby before, so we, we're not too sure what kind of name to, to give the babies. And, and then I wanted to name the first kid after my dad, uh, whose name was Michael. Uh, so naturally, the first the first would be named you know Michael or Michelle.
0: Okay,
2: uh, okay. that's the, a good the sec- name.
1: The, the name for the second baby, I wasn't too sure. And then you know, actually, I listen to your show every week, so I thought Ian was was a good name.
2: So you would have you would have Mike and Ian,
1: right? Exactly. So I actually <laughs> mentioned to my fiance she really liked the name Ian. Uh, so, but, but I mean, obviously, it, it's, it's a male name, right? Um, so I'm not sure what's gonna what we're gonna do if you know the second baby turns out to be a, a baby girl.
2: Yeah, because it doesn't have like a there's no Michelle. Yeah, com- uh, you <laughs> know. version of Ian. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Ian Ian Shell. Yeah, that doesn't sound it doesn't right.
2: doesn't work. Iana? Ivana? Yeah. Oh, Ivana. Might, that might be one, too. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. The thing to do would be to find out what I would have been named had I been a, a girl. We should call your parents. Yes.
3: Hi, Ian. Hey. Hey. I'll be down in a second. Okay. <laughs> he just got home, so he's changing. Um. Out of his work clothes.
0: Mike's here, too. Hi there.
3: Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good. So what have you guys got going on?
0: Well, did you guys have a name picked out if Ian were a girl, like an alternative?
3: No. But we didn't. We, we figured you would be a girl.
2: <laughs>
3: what? We, you know, we must have had a name.
2: <laughs> Wait, you, you expected me to be a girl?
3: Well, yeah. I was expecting... Extremely surprised you were a boy, but since you kind of looked like a bulldog when you were born, um, it's a good thing that you were a boy. Oh, your father just looked up um, Ian on Google, and uh, there's one that's the feminine form of Ian, and it's iana I Anna
4: or Iana?
3: Yeah, Iana. Okay, where
0: where did you guys come up with the name Ian? Where did that come from?
3: Oh, that now that is very easy. He's named for Ian Fleming, the guy who wrote all the James Bond movies. I'm oh. well, he didn't write the movies, all the James Bond books.
0: Maybe if if Ian were a girl, you could name him Pussy Galore.
3: You know, that's about what I started to say, but I just. Um, was so uncomfortable with that name um, that I, I couldn't do it.
0: Well, let me, uh, let me break that ice for both of us then. Yeah. Well, uh, Mom and
2: Dad, uh, thank you for uh, joining us on my job that I have.
3: Well, we're glad you have a job.
5: You're welcome, Iana.
0: <laughs> this is How to Do Everything, I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we'll tell you how to get the best possible customer service. And we'll tell
2: you uh, how to survive on a desert island. But first, all of England is preparing for the birth of the royal baby. Waiting and waiting for the child of William and Kate.
0: This means that reporters and journalists from all across the world are stationed outside the hospital with no idea when the baby's actually going to be born. And these, these
2: are people who, you know, they're busy people, they like to have something to do, and they have nothing to do
0: but wait. Joining us now on site is Andrew Cowie from AFP. So, Andrew, uh, explain, where are you exactly right now?
1: I'm actually just around the corner in a coffee shop. Well, just outside a coffee shop.
2: Uh, around the corner from the kind of scrum of, from the hospital, yeah. Okay, and what's the scene out there like with all the the journalists waiting for news?
1: Uh, it's just um, it's just kind of like just sitting around waiting. And unfortunately, I mean, you know, there's a uh, it's been a bit of a PR machine. There's a lot of uh, kind of bookies and people like that coming along and trying to get some free advertising.
2: You you said bookies are coming around.
1: Yeah, no, like, you know, bookies are coming along and they're showing, like, they're, they're bringing out boards of, like, the odds that they have on, on uh, you know, if it'll be a boy or a girl or the name <laughs> of the child and stuff like that.
0: Well, what's the front runner for name right now?
1: Can't remember, actually. I think, I know uh, I know a 50, 500 to 1 is Pocahontas, <laughs> but that um, I I <laughs> seems to be the only one that I can remember.
0: Oh, that's easy money um, right
2: there.
1: <laughs> it's a safe bet, I think.
2: So, how long have all the the journalists been out there?
1: Well, they they started um, marking up little spots um, last uh, last Monday, a week, like, week, a week, yeah, a week and a half, about two weeks ago.
0: Wow, two weeks ago. The, so the baby is due. When is the baby
1: due? Well, we've heard uh, either. Well, we've heard two dates: either the thirteenth, so tomorrow, or the fifteenth, but pretty soon.
2: So, so you've got all these people out there just waiting. How how are you passing the time?
1: Um, just uh, well, I mean, the the, the, uh, the TV journalists are just kind of interviewing whoever will pass by and <laughs> want to talk. And um, yeah, just, <laughs> just sitting around really. <laughs> I've taken uh, a lot of photos of ladders over the past uh, past week or two. You,
2: did you say yeah, ladders? That's
1: pretty much it. Well, yeah, I think we're just, um, our officers have told us to, to kind of illustrate what's been going on here.
0: So, I imagine that since you guys have been there for as long as you have, there's been, there there, there have probably been a couple false alarms where there's been a flurry of activity. Has that happened?
1: There has been, yeah, a few times. I mean, um, you know, I, I think some journalists have people over, at, um, uh, over where she lives, and, and obviously, you know, if they hear about any kind of... Um, ambulances leaving that area or or helicopters flying out then they get a bit um a bit panicky but um it's all it's all, all been false alarm.
0: Do you have enough uh photographs to kind of put together a retrospective of the wait?
1: Um yeah, it's pretty much just ladders and and, and people <laughs> talking uh, like journalists uh, reporters talking into cameras and, and that's pretty much it.
0: Well, maybe maybe ladders could be your thing. You could be the you could be like the Ansel Adams of ladders.
1: <laughs> well, I think uh, I think there's um, it's probably not just me. There's probably about um, forty or fifty photographers that have done these uh, this, these sets of pictures. I don't know if I want that as my mantra.
2: <laughs> well, Andrew, thank you so much.
1: That's all right, mate. Um, yeah, cheers.
0: You know the company Zynga. They make the game Farmville and other games like that. Well, they're having
2: a problem with customer service on one of their games called Coasterville. Eric
0: Mueller is kind of at the center of this problem. Eric joins us now. So can you explain what happened?
6: Uh, Sure. I I have a web development company named Theme Park, so I own the domain ThemePark.com and uh, I started receiving some emails from people playing Coasterville, this, this Zynga game, I guess it's on, on Facebook. I actually don't know anything about it. I've never played it. And, uh, they, you know, they needed some help with their with their game. And I couldn't figure out why I was getting these emails. And then one of them said, uh, oh, I've, I was playing the game, and an error screen came up, and it said to write you at themepark.com. And I realized, oh, Zynga must have somehow put my email address on there. So I tried to contact Zynga. Sent them a couple of tweets, I tried to find an email address for them. You know, I did what I could to say, hey guys, you're um, spamming your customers with my email address, and that's not cool. Uh, and they never got back to me at all. So I thought, well, if no one at Zynga is going to help their customers, then maybe I should take that job. So,
2: but, you know, you you didn't know the game, so how would you, how would you answer these questions?
6: Well, that's where it gets interesting. You know, I'm, I, I wasn't real happy that Zynga was ignoring me, and I thought, well this might be a good opportunity to sort of have some fun. And uh, so I, I started writing back to these people. And I, it was interesting. I never said I was from Zynga. I never misrepresented myself. In fact, I, I got most of the emails I would start, and I would say, thank you for finding my email address on the screen in the game. I'm glad you wrote <laughs> me, and I'll try to help you. And uh, that's what I did.
2: So what's like, a, what's an example of a response, a, a question and a, and a response that you gave?
6: Uh, the questions were all things that I really didn't understand because like, like, like we talked about, I don't really know the games at all. So they would say, I'm having problems, you know, opening my my golden chest at the something-something level. I, I didn't even know what that meant. But I said, oh, well, of course, the golden chest at something-something level. Let me help you with that. <laughs> you know, I've, I've checked with the engineers and they've said that this is a, a known issue and they're working on it and they have a, a short-term fix. And the fix is, if you go on Facebook and you go to five of your Facebook friends, walls, and you post the message, I love poodles and noodles. <laughs> it's very important. And I, and I sort of made up this techno battle to go with it. And I, and I even would say in email, I said, I know this sounds really strange, but these are, are keywords that are embedded in the game, and uh, if the game sees that you've posted this, it assures the game's integrity. You know, I'm trying to sort of throw in big words, and you know, a little bit of hand-waving, and yeah. kind of make it sound like I know what I'm talking about, and I always sort of said, well, I'm, I'm checking with the engineers, so I could kind of have a layer of, you know, I'm on your side, and I know this sounds kind of strange, and I just made up stuff like that. Po- Poodles and Noodles, the, the, the person I sent that to, the Poodles and Noodles message, they were very nice. They wrote back, and they said, well, I've I've, I've done everything you've said, and it's still not working. And I was sort of surprised, and I said, really, you, you posted that message? And they said, yeah, on five of my friends' walls. So I said, oh, did you post it in all capital letters? <laughs> they said no, and I said, oh, well, that is probably it.
0: So uh, how would you rate your ability to kind of solve these people's problems? Do you have a pretty good track record of success? Uh,
6: I thought all of my suggestions were <laughs> terrific, I have to tell you. So, you know, it, it, uh, when this... Uh, When this sort of fizzled down in the last few days, and I said, you know, I'm starting to feel a little bit bad about leading these people on, so I wrote back and I uh, to a couple of these people, and I said. um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have any other ideas. I said, the, the best thing you can do is, is go to this address. It's Zynga's, you know, customer support form And I said, but I'll tell you a little tip. If you tell them that Eric Mueller from Theme Park sent you, they'll put you through to a second-level support specialist who absolutely will know how to fix this problem. So be sure to mention my name. Because, you know, to this day, Zynga hasn't gotten back to me, and it's a little annoying. So I thought, well, at the very least, I want Zynga to know that I'm trying, and I'm sending them their customers.
0: Well, this is a great story. Uh, thanks for sharing it, Eric.
6: Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure.
3: Wilson! I'm sorry! I'm sorry, Wilson! Wilson, I'm sorry! I'm sorry! Wilson!
2: That, of course, is Tom Hanks uh, with his volleyball friend Wilson, a great scene
0: from Cast Away. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, go ahead and take a few minutes and watch it now. Bill Broyles wrote the movie Castaway, and he said initially he wanted to do some research, just read some books, but that wasn't enough.
2: Yeah, they, it just wasn't coming together. He didn't he didn't really get the character. Um, so, Bill, tell us what you did.
5: I got a couple of Mormon hippies from Boulder, Utah, who specialized in survival, and they took me down to the Sea of Cortez, to the Seri Indian Reservation, and the Seri Indians are the last hunter-gatherers in North America. All right. And they just left me on the beach. So I ended up doing pretty much everything you see in the movie. I, I, I did all kinds of silly things, trying to make a hook to catch fish, but finally I ended up just spearing uh, stingrays. And after a couple of days of eating stingrays raw and under my palm frond hut, I realized how important fire is and um, so I tried to get something I could cook and I did all the things I learned in Boy Scouts, you know, I did the the little rubbing sticks together, I did the air. I did everything and, and it, none of it worked. And the whole time I was smelling these, my Mormon hippie advisors were cooking pancakes and listening to the Grateful Dead a couple of sand dunes over. <laughs> So I just finally, I gave up. I said, I just can't make fire. So they showed me how to do it. And that was it. I thought, I've got the movie. I, I um, figured out the steps of survival. I can show this guy really doing it. And I knew what I was talking about. And, but I decided I'd just spend a night or two more on the beach in my little island. And um, I watched the stars go around. And I, was, I realized, hey, I'm really lonely. And I started thinking, well, maybe this isn't just about physical survival. Maybe it's about something else. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what do we need to be human, really? I don't want to be too pretentious, but that was kind of it. And the next morning, after I had this realization, I got up and went down to the beach, and there was a, a volleyball that had just washed up. And I uh, decorated it with some seaweed and, and started talking to it. Um, and that was the origin of Wilson.
2: Wait, so uh, that so you saw you saw the volleyball and you, you're kind of in this mindset of somebody stranded. And, right. I mean, did did you see the volleyball and think a friend?
5: You no, know, I just saw the volleyball and thought um well I was kind of thinking of of um you know Robinson Crusoe when he met Friday, but I didn't have anybody I couldn't go talk to the woman hippies that would be cheating. Yeah. And it had a little hole, you know, where you put the um, air in. And so I, I, I put some seaweed in a few shells, and it looked like a head. So, and, you know, I started thought, I'm really crazy. I'm going to be talking to a volleyball, but it made me feel better.
2: Wow. So what was your uh, what was your first conversation with your Wilson like?
5: Well, it was like, you know, who are you? Where did you come from? Um, what's your favorite music? You know, I just started... But a lot of it was just having. I took him into my hut and sort of, you know, put him on a little thing, and and um, I slept better. And I don't know. I, it was it was one of these things where I kept thinking of these lines um, uh, from Ian Forster, where he said, "Only connect." Like that was the real purpose of of life—to connect to other people. And really, I think the main thing I was grateful for was that it. It was a Wilson volleyball and not a Mizumo volleyball. You know? Oh, yeah. Because I just couldn't hear the guy yelling, Mizumo! <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so when you asked Wilson, or your your Wilson, those questions, what were the responses? Like, what was the volleyball's uh, favorite music?
5: Well, Wilson actually was a Bob Dylan fan. Oh, uh-huh. And, but really, he was a Beach Boys first and foremost, because he's a you know volleyball. But I think it was really kind of a lesson in, for screenwriting and for anything really is that if you really want to write about it and have it ring true, you have to do your best to go out and, and actually live it. Um, because I'd wanted to do it the easy way and just read some stuff and maybe steal things from a few other movies and, and um, you know ask for my check. But this, this whole experience, um, it really I think that's what it was when I when I came up with Wilson that Tom Hanks really wanted to do the movie.
2: Did you were there other things uh in your experience being being stranded there that that you learned that, that surprised you?
5: Well, yeah, first that, that the difference between raw and cooked is really important. <laughs> and I actually caught a crab like he did and, and tried to eat it and the mucus just kind of flowed out. Oh. And, and the raw stingray. Just after a while, you just you just didn't feel human. You felt like an animal. You know, just eating the raw things.
2: Now, now, there's a scene where uh, he he gets a toothache, mm-hmm. uh, and at that it just it fills me with terror. Did you w- did that come from your experience out there?
5: Well, that was actually you know a part of Castaway is like a Vietnam movie because I'd been in the war and. Um, It's like a coming-home movie. I mean, the word Vietnam isn't mentioned in the movie, but it's, it's, you know, you go and have a tremendously important, deep experience, and then you come back to where you left, and everybody is still basically the same, but you're not. Yeah. And no one's that interested. But also the toothache. I'd gotten a bad toothache in Vietnam, and I'd just forgotten about it, and I needed something because part of the key of the movie is he had to go on the island, kind of pasty and a little overweight and just a kind of contemporary guy. And then you had to see the effects of several years on his body. Um, So we had to stop filming and let Tom Hanks lose, you know, 50 or 60 pounds and then start over again. But I needed a really dramatic time cut And I thought, what could be more dramatic than chiseling out your own tooth and then go to black and come back? And you could hopefully see, thank God he did lose the weight and didn't sneak out and get a lot of Big Macs. But you can see on his body the effects of all those years. And you don't have to say anything.
0: How how did you handle your own toothache when you were in Vietnam?
5: Oh, I immediately... um, went to the, went to my battalion med and tried to get out of the bush for as long as I could. Um, and, you know, they um, pulled a tooth and I was back in like, I don't know, two days. Wow. So it wasn't that, you know, it didn't turn out to be as lucky as I thought, but I thought, you know, you always think, well, what happens if this happened without, you know, access to medicine and, and you know, primitive man must have gotten toothaches too, and what did they do?
3: Well, I
0: have to ask you because I imagine I don't know what it's like to be stranded on an island. But I still, if a if a volleyball washed up on shore and um, I I made it into my friend, uh, I would gain a friend, but I would lose some recreation. Could you? I mean, could you kick around Wilson after after you made you anthropomorphized him or however you say that?
5: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's like Richard Nixon said. You know, when he when he left, he said, "You're not going to have Richard Nixon to kick around anymore." Uh, I didn't want to lose my volleyball as a friend by kicking him around. But you're right. But you know, it's interesting. The recreational idea never occurred to me. Don't you mention it. I was just so busy, you know, trying to keep my spear sharp and trying to get the stingray and trying to get enough water and you know that. I didn't, I, my days were remarkably full. I mean, there wasn't much lying in a hammock.
0: Yeah. What's it like for you? Uh, do you play volleyball anymore? Or is that, have you kind of put that aside now?
5: No, I'm not, and I'm not, not really a volleyball player, but Wilson looks down on me, you know, when I'm writing. And, um, you know, he sometimes, you know, he shakes his head like, that's no good. Or he'll nod and say, you know, that's not bad. And so he's been my companion for years.
0: Well, thank you, thank you, Bill, for your time and for for your story.
5: Well, you're welcome, and I hope this works out for you guys. I hope you've got some good stuff to use.
0: I mean, that's really something. I have a basketball at home that I think I maybe I'll look at differently now.
5: Well, yeah, I mean, I think you really should take your inflatable toys seriously. <laughs>
2: heard from uh, jessica jessica says she listens to how to do everything when
0: she's waddling her dog that's because she's seven months pregnant and not a duck right that's why she waddles jessica these next 15 seconds are for you (laughs) No, we actually don't know if she's a a human or a duck. She She could be a pregnant duck. didn't specify, and I don't know the
2: gestation period of a duck.
0: And this also means that Jessica's probably, as far as we know at least, our first duck listener. Yeah.
2: You may remember a few weeks ago we talked to a guy from Ben & Jerry's, and we asked you to send us your uh, ideas for ice cream flavors they have still been coming in we're we're going to put it off one more week we're going to do it next week
0: we have all the ingredients it's there's actually some really good flavors that are going to be coming out of this including i think malort ice cream i honestly some of the flavors just seem good well that's it should be they should be good they don't have to be bad
2: We're still collecting your toilets of the week get your nominations to how to at nPR
0: dot org on the line with us now is Rob so Rob where are you right now
4: uh well I'm in my bathroom right now
0: tell
2: us about some of its its features
4: well uh we uh we well when we did the remodel we had to tear it down just to the you know the studs and the floorboards and everything and we put all new tile and drywall in and one kind of funny thing, though, is that as we were doing the demolition to tear it apart, we actually found an old ukulele in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: What's the story? Do you know what happened there?
4: No, I really don't. I, what we like to imagine is that Gibson Guitars used to be here in Kalamazoo. Uh-huh. So we'd like to imagine that somebody from Gibson used to own the house and, and hit a ukulele in the wall. Because they you know, don't know for sure.
0: Yeah, I wonder why. What what would prompt you to hide a ukulele in the wall? Was there something stuffed inside the ukulele?
4: There was some newspaper wrapped around it.
0: Hmm. This might have been during
4: yeah. u-
2: ukulele prohibition, when it oh, was all. Yeah, sure.
4: probably. So uh, a
2: a big project like this, you know, it 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 uh can kind of change your life. You, you can't use the the bathroom, and um, yeah. big, it makes a big mess. Uh, and then what, once it's all done, do you do you sometimes just. Do you sometimes just sit in there and, and think, look at, look at what we did?
4: Yeah, we did that a whole lot after it was first done. Um, it really was very disruptive, actually, because we were out of the bathroom for about six weeks, and so we had to live with my parents, because it's the only bathroom we have in the house. Oh. So my wife and I and our cats had to move in with my parents for, for six weeks. It was pretty awful. I
0: would also point out that depending on your circumstance, it's not uncommon to go into a bathroom and sit down for sometimes an extended amount of time. You have That's a number true. of thoughts cross your mind.
2: Now, dozens, dozens, tens of people are listening to this right now. Can they come visit your your toilet?
4: Yeah, I'd like you to save a call in advance so that I know they're coming. <laughs> I mean, I have some underwear on the floor right now, so I'd want to pick that up. All right. Yeah.
0: Well, congratulations, Rob. You have this week's Toilet of the Week.
1: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.
0: And uh, we should mention, uh,
2: Rob has a podcast. In addition to having an awesome toilet... He has a podcast called Building the Game.
0: It's about games. That does it for this week's show, what we learned today, Mike. I learned that sometimes a customer service person may not actually work for the company. It could be just a guy. You know, I I think it's funny
2: what uh, Eric did with the Zynga. I'm glad that um, he wasn't somehow getting 911 calls. I learned that my parents were completely convinced I was going to be a girl until I was born.
0: Yeah. You think they were disappointed?
2: Well, I wonder if they got an ultrasound. If they had seen the ultrasound and oh, yeah, and thought, oh, that's clear. Look at the eyelashes and the bow. That's clearly a girl in there.
0: Yeah. It's all pink.
2: How to Do Everything is produced by Blythe Haga with
0: technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Will Pardue. He was recommended by his good friend Jordan Johnson. He's uh, Jordan describes Will as a generally pleasant fellow. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for off-the-wall outstanding. Just, you know, general good mood. Last thing I want is a go-getter or, or stick-to-itiveness. I don't want stick-to-itiveness. Leave your ambition at the door. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And visit our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks.